we are here with our last installment with our Women in Horror mini-series aptly named Not Your Scream Queen. And today we are talking about a girl walks home alone at night. Did I say that right? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And it is, yeah, I think it's an Iranian vampire film. Is that correct? I'm wrong. Well, it's Iranian, but it's more complicated than that. I was watching some videos of the uh, director and writer before this. So she is of Iranian heritage, but was born in, I think it was London. And then they kept moving, came over to America. So she grew up American. But she has gotcha. Iranian roots from her parents. Okay. Cool. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And it gotcha. certainly takes place in a uh, fic- fictional Iranian town. It's called like Bad City. Bad I City. Think. Yeah. 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 Fun yeah. Name. yeah. I know. It felt, it had a very, um, and I'll let you give us the synopsis in just a minute, but, and I'm going to ask you, I wanted to ask you this because I know you're like a super fan, but it had almost like this. Uh, Tarantino, Tarantino vibe to me in the beginning. You know, it's interesting that you say that. Um, okay. Yeah, and I got to say, when we picked this, and we kind of were talking about this before because we both thought the other person had picked it. So yeah. I don't know where this came from. We were probably like looking at lists <laughs> while we were planning this out. <laughs> but All whatever. The planning we do. <laughs> <laughs> we just have so many ideas. We don't even keep track. Uh, but yeah, so however this ended up on our list, I didn't really know much about it going in and there were things that I really liked about it. And there were things that I strongly just kind of like struggled to get through mostly the pacing. Um, but there were some very stylistic things about this and I am always a sucker for strong style in just about any direction. So yeah, Tarantino does that sort of thing. And, uh, I wonder if part of what you're picking up on was some of the music choices were just so striking and contrasting to what was happening in moments or uh, the general vibe of the film. Yeah, it was definitely a vibe thing, but I mean, the music plays into that. Mm -hmm. That style plays into that. And I think I picked up, I think some of it for me too, now that you say that, um, they would have music, but then every once in a while there would be like, this random artsy type scene that went with the plot, but it was kind of like, it didn't have to be there. And I feel like sometimes Tarantino does that, um, you know, and it's interesting and it certainly adds to the film, but, uh, like, like in the literary world, we would not get away with that. (laughs) We would have to cut it. (laughs) It's like, it doesn't move the plot forward. Snip, snip. But I do have to be honest because I don't, want to mislead anybody, although I'm, um, <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story in a minute. Um, I had every intention of, like, I have started this movie so many times, and I didn't not finish it because I didn't, like, want to finish it. It wasn't like I did not finish for me. This has been the week from hell, and every single time I sit down in front of the TV, something happens, and I have to get right back up. So I made it about halfway, and I plan on finishing it. <laughs> But I feel like this is good because I can ask you questions. Like, I know enough about it. And what I was going to tell you was, I'm like, I want to be honest with everybody. Like, sitting here bullshitting myself. Because how many times have I gone to book club, not read the book club book, and just, like, read a bunch of Goodreads reviews right before I walk in? 
And then the whole time, I'm like, oh, yes. Let me tell you about this book. (laughs) Because I'm too busy, like, reading, (laughs) you know, Dexter or something. I don't know. Okay. (laughs) On the note of book clubs and that whole thing, have you Uh heard of... Give me one moment here, because I don't want to say this very long title wrong. The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Yes, I read it, actually. I started reading this this weekend on audio. Uh And I am enjoying it very much. But you just made me think of that opening scene where all of these like suburban Southern ladies ha- <laughs> have to come to book club. And there's that queen bee who has all of these like very strict rules for how book club is done. And the woman oh, who's yes. responsible, Patricia, for that week's book did not have time to read this book. And so she has to lead this conversation and has no idea what's happening. I felt that to my bones when that happened. Like, cause sometimes I would pick the book and not read the book because I can't, if I don't enjoy a book, I cannot slog through it. I don't know if it's ADD. I don't know if it's life is too short to read books you don't enjoy, but if I'm not liking it, I'm like, okay, this is a, a DNF for me. I read that book and I enjoyed it very much. There were some things that I did not enjoy about that book. I don't know how far you are into it. I, uh, so Patricia has just very recently, um, had her bite encounter. Okay. I don't want to ruin it for people. Um, and so she just like spent a day driving the, um, the nephew of the woman who died after attacking her around town to like set up his bank account and crap. Oh, yeah. You're just in the... Yeah. So we know that he, like, can't be in the sun. We know that he has some sort of strange thing going on. He doesn't have an ID. All of that starting to add up. That was the weirdest scene for me because I know the whole purpose of that scene was to get that information to us. And I'm like, this is bananas. She is just secretly driving this man around and, like, she can't tell anybody. And she's getting her name on, like, his bank account. I'm like... Right. Bad idea, woman. Like, what are you doing? But I guess that's like a very horror genre thing to happen. Like you see the bad, like you're like, don't, don't open the door. I'm sorry. I don't know what phone's ringing. So everybody just ignore that. uh, Yeah. Like, it's like, you know, don't go in the basement. Don't open the door. And that's how I felt the whole time she was doing that. I was like, what the hell are you doing? And then there was the only thing I didn't like about this book, and I couldn't figure it out. Like, I talked to some writer friends about this. So, okay, he writes women in a very specific way, but it's for that time period, and I feel like they have arcs and growth. It, it very much felt like, so there was this show my grandma loved when I was growing up called Designing Women, and it had, like, Delta Burke in it or whatever. Oh, it yeah. felt like that, but with, like, a vampire. <laughs> like it, it had that vibe. So I was like, okay, I like this. But then he, um, you haven't gotten this far into it yet, but, and you'll notice it and you'll like, okay. And this isn't a plot thing, but I did not I have complicated feelings because I don't know if like I'm missing something. If he did this on purpose to, to make fun of that time period. And the, the woman who is, we're seeing the story through her eyes, the main character, but the way he wrote, um, people like black people and from mm. that community, it was very one-dimensional, and uh, there was no character arc. But then he did have a character in there that come around at the end, but I just felt like mm. compared to the other characters. And, and so it kind of left me squicky, which really sucked because it was well-written, and the plot is really good, and it is scary, and it is 
entertaining. But I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on that because I could totally be missing something. I mean, you know, that's, uh, that's, uh, I mean, it's not abnormal. You've been around <laughs> the block with, with that. plotting before. So yeah, I think that you're probably not. Um, but yeah, I look forward to finishing the rest of this and joining you in this assessment. I will say this, uh, this audiobook is read by one of my favorite uh, audiobook narrators, which I've only recently, I'm not auditory at all. I've got like an auditory learning disorder. So like, I'm not very receptive usually, but I've started to realize this particular narrator is like, she's so, so, so good. And she has a very distinctive voice. And so I've, I've, I've about gotten to the point where I will like follow the books that she narrates. Her name is Bonnie Turpin. And that is B-A-H-N-I, Bonnie. And she does such good stuff. Uh, The first book that I, we're really going off the rails right from the start here, but this is, you know. It's uh, okay. We'll bring it back around. I I mean, you know, it's entertaining, I think. I I like talking (laughs) books. It's good. It's good stuff. We're here. I'm just going to wrap it up. This is the quality content you guys listen for, so... (laughs) They say it's about this, but what will they really talk about? Uh, so anyway, the first book I read that she narrated, well, listened to, that she had narrated was Born by Jeff Vandermeer, which was a very unusual book. It's about this post-apocalyptic world where this woman is kind of out on her own, runs into this dude who kind of, they end up like being together just because there's no, no one else there's like a giant, like kind of anime inspired bear dragon thing. Like it breathes fire, I think. Like wild shit. It's a lot of fun. But part of it is that there's this like kind of like a blob that starts to evolve over the story and like starts to develop this like interaction. Like a, like physically a blob? Like a, a blob. Physically. Okay. Like a blob. Huh. Like an inanimate blob that she just feels this weird connection to and takes home in the apocalypse. Is it like slime or is it like dirt or? I mean, I think it's more substantial than slime, but like maybe jello-y. It's been a while since I've read it. Okay. I'm picturing, do you remember the movie, The Blob, the horror movie? Yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. I mean, it's like, it's like, it fits in her hands. So it's like small. It's not like taking over, but I mean, like you're not like crazy far off. I just, like, I don't want to, like, you should read this book because it's wild. Anyway, <laughs> like, the way that she narrates it, there's some really surprising moments with this blob where I had, like, physical outward reactions to what I was listening to because of how she did it. <laughs> like, I didn't see it coming, and it was surprising in the book, like, the storytelling, but then she, like, she did such a good job with it. So I highly recommend listening to anything by Bonnie Turpin. I highly recommend Born by Jeff Vandermeer, and I look forward to reading the rest of Southern Book Club. Well, <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> That's like, I've heard that name before mm. with audiobook narration. She's so she must best. be really good. And it's very interesting. I know we can bring it back to the movie, but I just wanted to say so, me and um, EJ, EJ Winstrom here, are both diagnosed with ADHD. And so, to me, it's so interesting when you talk about your auditory mm. processing disorder. Mm-hmm. Because for me to learn things that aren't, like, I can read fiction all day long, but if I am going to learn nonfiction, I have to listen to it. 
It's the opposite. So what I listen to, like, oh my God, you would be bored to death. I listen, like, I listened to The Power of Habit. I don't remember the name, who wrote it. It was so, it was like a freaking textbook. It was very entertaining though. It was the psychology behind habit and memory. And I learned all about the basal gang. The, the basal ganglia, which is like your reptile brain, and then your hippocampus, which is your memory. So it was very interesting. And then I started listening to Genius Foods because I just went down this, like, you know how it is when you get on a topic, like this brain the spiral. Uh, spiral. <laughs> yeah. And oh my God, it's so interesting. And coming up, I have Unfuck Your Brain. So I'm on, a, I'm on a topic here. I guess I've got the physicality knowledge. I'm learning about the nutrition, and next it'll be the emotional, and I will know everything there is to know about brains, God, and I can impart brain that matrix. wisdom. Yeah. Know, right? <laughs> and then I'm reading, um, oh my God, I'm all over the place. I'm reading Silence of the Girls by Pat Barker because I am obsessed, obsessed with Madeline Miller, but she only writes like one book every 12 years, so I have to like... I can't wait for another Greek mythology book from her. So I'm reading everybody else. And so this is about Brias. I'm probably butchering that, which is the girl that becomes Achilles um, captive during the Trojan War. And it is, it's very good. It is very good. Especially though I read Song of Achilles and that is my favorite book of the year. It like mm-hmm. ripped my heart out. It's so good. Um, and then I'm also reading The Roommate. My tastes are all over the place. The Roommate, which is like a rom-com about a porn star and a socialite. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And I don't normally read a lot of romance, so it's very funny. And then I just got on my Libby Q. I'm so excited. It's the only good Indians, and it's a horror book. And I'm huh. going in pretty blind. I don't know... Uh, I really don't know anything about it, um, except I see people reading it on Twitter and tweeting, and they're like, oh, my God, I just got to the twist. And I'm like, oh, yes, I cannot wait. So that's that's where I'm at book-wise, All right. taking you around the world. I like <laughs> it. Yeah. No, I'm into it. I like the uh, mixing it up with lots of different things at once. Although, now that you have touched on the whole mythology thing, since you mentioned Madeline Miller, I do have... Some news I stumbled across this week that I think you're going to agree is pretty freaking awesome. Okay. So you know how they've been doing some like sporadic Me Too type art in New York and such? I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah? The Medusa statue? Yes. It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh my God, it's so badass. I, I did see another point of view. Hold on. Me and maybe we should it. say exactly what it is for those who have not okay. already heard about it. So what's Sorry, happening? I get very, <laughs> very excited about Greek mythology, like geek right the fuck out. Like I, it's so go cool. ahead. Um, but so what's happening for those listening in, I, there's the classic statue, of course, of Perseus holding the head of Medusa up. He's just cut it off. He's victorious, whatever. But as we actually talked about earlier in the series, that's, you know, if you look at closer at the story of Medusa, it's not quite that clean cut. She is not the monster that so many mythology stories want her to make her out to be. So this new statue that is in New York currently, I guess, I wasn't really clear if it was out now or if it was coming. It's out. It's out now. I think it was actually made like six years ago and it just got moved to its current location. That makes sense. Okay. So it's Medusa holding the head of Perseus. Ah. And she is like seven foot tall. It is 
amazing. It is beautiful. I wish I could own it. But um, I did see, like, I did kind of, I was like, who wouldn't like this? I want this. You know, this is great, you know, for where it's positioned across, and then across from, like, the courthouse, and um, it's like a Me Too statement, and that's where my head was at. But then some people brought up some points, um, not against the statue, but against the placement, and it was people whose... Me Too stories are a little different from mine, and they viewed it a little differently, and they were like, it made them uncomfortable because they felt like all they did was tell their story, and in no way were they the aggressor, and I can completely respect that, so I feel like as much as I love the statue, and I do, like, I love the statue, I would get it tattooed on my body, but... <laughs> um, I could see, like, I wouldn't want anything there that would make a victim of sexual violence uncomfortable. So my thoughts would be to move it somewhere where people could visit it mm. and it could still be the same symbolism and it could have the same meaning for people that want to visit it and see it. And it could just be like this really strong thing, but to where people didn't have to see it on their way into court if it made them uncomfortable. Does that sure, sure. Yeah, that's a perspective that wouldn't have occurred to me because I am very comfortable feeling monstrous, but not me everyone. <laughs> but I can understand why, yeah, not everyone wants to feel like they're being compared to something considered monstrous. That's fair. But f for me, too, though, like when you compare it to, you did it splendidly, like, the statue of Perseus holding Medusa's head. To me, that it's just like, that makes us so badass. And I love it so much. Go look it up. You can Google it and find it super easy. It is beautiful. It's lovely. And it's one of those ideas that is so simple once you see it. But how mm -hmm. on earth do you ever come up with it? Love it so much. And how talented is the sculptor, mm. though? Like, it is... It's exquisite. I'm like just fangirling, but like it really on this topic, it doesn't take much. I could like I before I knew you were going to talk about this statue, I thought you heard something about Madeline Miller oh. in a new book. I was like, what? Sorry. Tell me. Tell me. No, this is I exciting. Wish. I love it. <laughs> I, I'm like, no, this is great. This is up there. This makes me happy. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, what else? <laughs> I guess we have to talk about. Uh, the movie. Why don't you give us a synopsis? It's a it's a vampire flick. It's filmed in black and white. Um, beautiful cinematography. But I'll let you kind of tell us about the plot. Yeah, yeah. And the whole film is in Iranian, and uh, all of the actors in it are Iranian. But I think for the most part, they are Iranian American. And then it's set in this fictional Iranian town. Uh, but it was set. And like filmed in California, I think it was. I may be losing, I may be speaking out of term with where exactly they filmed it, but it was in North America being the point. So, okay, this film starts with this, what, I mean, I guess late teens boy, maybe early adult. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who, I can't even remember what he's doing in that opening scene, to be honest. Was he retrieving the... He gets out of a car... I don't remember. And I thought he like punched a fence and then maybe got the cat and went inside. Yeah, I think he, I think the cat got out. Okay. And so he was hunting down the cat and then this little kid like asks him for money, which apparently he does all the time. And the guy's like, dude, I have no money. 
gets in his car that he says he saved up for for I did the math on this because he said it took him two thousand and one hundred and one days to earn the money for the car to this little kid. And that is about five years. So for perspective, these are not people with money, which is also clear from everything about Bad City. But uh, this guy really loves his car and doesn't have much else. And the car does stand out from the backdrop. Bad City is uh, a bad city. Like it's kind of run down. You know, it's kind of like what you would imagine. It's not like Sin City. It's not like Vegas. It's like just... uh, there's not a lot of money there. So he's got like this really nice car. And if you drive around in that car, you're going to be noticed, right? Would you say? I would think so. Although it, I also got the feeling that everyone in Bad City seemed to know each other anyway. Yeah. Okay. I mean, the cast is pretty small, but it's not like New York where there's tons of other people passing around. Like okay. everyone there is interconnected. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. So that was my take on it, at least. Um, I will also say, as this character is getting out of the car and emerging for the first time, he, yeah, like, what is that car, by the way? Because it looks like it's like a classic, red, beautiful, brand new, like, Camaro or something. I'm so bad at cars. But it was one of those, like, really gorgeous, classic cars that are, like, coveted. And he gets out, and he has this, like, nicely fitted very clean white t-shirt on, jeans. It looked like very classic Hollywood to me, like very James Dean-ish. I got that vibe, yeah. It was very distinct. It was just like, boom. And then the movie starts happening. Like, so from that impression. Um, And so he retrieves the cat, he goes home. His dad is like, oh, not ODing, but he's like craving drugs. He's addicted to crack or something. Very much on drugs, yeah. He's having withdrawals, it seems like. Withdrawals, yeah. that's what I'm looking for. Thing. So his dad's like having withdrawals. They have no money. Uh, and then the, uh, the drug dealer like comes by because he's owed money. And so he ends up taking the car as payment. And then I'm losing some of the sequence, but this guy works in a house of like very well-off people. Like he works in a mansion where he's like a gardener, but then he also does like random housework. Although I have to tell you, I cannot really remember for the most part how that fits into most of the film. Other than that, he steals those earrings as a way to get the money to pay back this drug dealer. And along the way, he sees the drug dealer's car at this other house. So he just like goes into this other place. And it turns out this drug dealer has followed home this girl, I guess. Let's talk about, let's do a visual real quick. So like this drug dealer is, he's like tall and lanky and he has face tattoos, doesn't he? Like on, I know he's got like sex tattooed across yes. his neck. Cause I was like, okay, that was a bad decision. Like right across the Adam's it apple. It was a choice. And then like yeah. on the sides of his head and uh, everywhere. And the girl that he followed home Actually, um, it's a young woman. She looks young. Wouldn't you say like early 20s? Early 20s. Um, And it's in black and white, so it's hard to tell. But she looks like, um, she's Iranian, but she looks like fair skinned Iranian with dark hair and like big brown eyes. But she wears this, like this cloak that covers, it is just spooky, right? Does she have it on there yet? And that when he follows her? Um, Because at first I thought it was um, almost like a burqa or something, but it wasn't. But she does cover her hair. 
Yeah, yeah. But she has a cloak. Like, she'll have on jeans and, like, a striped t It's so weird what I remember. I can't remember the plot, but I can tell you her <laughs> outfit. She has, on like, a striped T-shirt, I think, and, like, jeans. Very much. And then mm-hmm. um, she looks like a college kid, kind of, but she um, then has, like, okay, this big found- billowing cloak. Like, yeah, I forgot about this somehow, and it's very like Dracula. Yes. So I don't yes. know how I did, um, but I just pulled up some pictures. I'm with you now. Okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, and it's interesting. Um, her her look overall, like she's got this very classic fringed bangs, right. bob, like Audrey Hepburn type of a thing I going on. Definitely got that vibe because the visual contrast between her and the guy playing the drug dealer. And I loved what they mm-hmm. did here. And I don't know if it's in this scene or a later scene, but he looks dangerous. He is big and menacing and like he is dancing. And you think, what is he about to do to this girl? Like something bad is about to happen. And she is kind of just has these big eyes looking at him, watching him, not making a sound in her little corner and and you think something bad's gonna happen to this girl or at least that's the vibe I got Mm -hmm. I was like she's gonna get beat up or he's you know there's gonna be a sexual assault like something bad is is gonna happen and then I'll let you pick it back up (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean he does start to act pretty predatory coming on to her and not listening to no and uh girl just pulls out those vampire fangs and goes for it But, like, first she, like, flicks them out, and there's this very... So, the way this movie is shot, you're very aware of, like, the sounds, and it's black and white, but it's, like, very sharp black and white. Like, it's not fuzzy. Mm -hmm. And, like, they come out, and it's, like, click. Like, it's a noise. And he looks, and he draws back, and then, like, she licks her lips or something, and then he, like, nods. This is how creepy he is. He nods his head, and he's like, oh, yeah. Oh, my God, I forgot. And she takes his hand... And she takes his finger and puts it in her mouth, like, and, like, kind of, like, seductively puts it in her mouth. And he's like, oh, yeah, baby. And then she bites his finger off. (laughs) I forgot that that I saw this a few weeks ago and should have brushed up better. I completely forgot she bit his finger off. And then she just, like you said, she goes for it after that. He's screaming and she is just, like, goes for it. On him, like, I don't know, like... If you ever watch, like, Discovery Channel and you see, like, how a cat jumps on, like, its prey, that's what it reminded me of, like a panther. I was like, whoa. (laughs) So, by the time the um, the other kid notices the drug dealer's car outside, lets himself in, there is now this, like, torn apart dead body on the floor, which I have to say, he does not respond to very strongly. (laughs) I don't remember. I can remember her outfit. Like, what is wrong with me? I mean, my memory of that whole bit was that he kind of like, he wanders in, he's looking for this drug dealer so he can pay him off and get his car back, finds him like torn open and dead on the floor, kind of like stares at him for a minute. And you like, you can kind of project that like in his head, he's kind of going, well, guess I have my car back. (laughs) Well, it is bad city. Maybe, you know, that's not the first body he stepped over. But I mean, maybe. This is really funny because when we talked about he loves me, he loves me not. That was one of the things we touched on. When in he loves me, he loves me not, uh, Angelique boyfriend, or he's not her boyfriend, her <laughs> friend boy that likes her. She, like, asked him to get her a human heart, and he's like, no, no. And she's like, yes, please. And he's like, okay. Okay. And then her friend (laughs) finds out, like, suspects Angelique of killing this woman, and she's like, we must go to the police. And she's like, we're not going to the police. And she's like, 
okay. Like, so it's like this common, <laughs> like, well, there's a dead body. Where's my car keys? Yeah. And she was just kind of like, okay. Well, that's, I mean, like, and let's be honest, it solves a couple problems for him. His father can't find drugs anymore. Nobody was going to miss that guy. No, that guy was... nobody does, clearly. Like, don't people like that usually have, like, a gang around them or something? Like, someone to notice they've gone missing? Apparently not. Maybe he was not good at his job. Maybe. <laughs> he, like, went out on his own. He's an entrepreneur. I don't know. But then again, like you said, the cast in this movie is relatively small. Mm-hmm. So. mm-hmm. It's very small. Uh, the only other person I can think of who even interacted with this guy was the other drug dealer the woman who also i guess side hustle strips i couldn't figure she didn't seem into that that out was she a stripper was she a prostitute Uh, because i didn't only made it to halfway i know she was in the car with some guys having a conversation but i didn't know yeah i mean i think her her main gig is the drug dealing gotcha right and so it's very interesting to me that particularly in a movie called a girl walks home alone at night uh, you've got a female drug dealer who is dealing with all these rough and tumble dudes all the time, not to mention, you know, dudes who are bigger than her and also, you know, suffering withdrawal and all of that sort of stuff where they are going to be desperate to get what she has. Right. Um, but in addition to that, yeah, like just like no backup, no posse, anything just on her own. So she, I think, got her source from the other drug dealer who was just murdered. Yeah. So I don't, and he was, you know, definitely very much taking advantage of that whole situation. I think he kind of forced himself on her. If I remember correctly, early on, it was in the very beginning, right? Right. Okay. I think if I remember right, she was very clearly not into it, but it was also just kind of like, okay, I'm getting a deal. This is part of business. Well, that's interesting. Cause there's a scene, um, at about the halfway point, which yeah. not trying to jump I won't say exactly what happened because I don't want to jump the synopsis, but the vampire girl, the drug dealer doesn't know she's a vampire and she's like, you want to do what I want to do? And the drug dealer girl, I mean, the vampire is like, you don't like what you do. Mm -hmm. So apparently she'd been observing her and this woman, like she was doing that, but it was like, that's what she did because that's what she had to do in this film, I guess, in this context. Yeah. Um, Yeah, interestingly, um, in one of the videos I watched of this writer-director, Anna Lilliam Ampora, she comments on how Bad City was completely fictional. They made it up all on their own, like all of the billboards, all of the TV commercials, like everything about it is completely made up by them. And she compared it to Frank Miller's Sin City. I was thinking that in my head, Uh, like this whole time. I was like, (laughs) I wonder if that... Um, but you know, I didn't finish a girl walks home alone at night yet. I'm going to, uh, so I didn't know, I didn't know if that held Mm -hmm. true or not, but I totally see that. So yeah, yeah. The director said it herself made that comparison. And so that's a really good observation on your part because I didn't really pick up on it very well. But, um, as soon as she said it, I was like, Oh yeah. And, um, similarly to Sin City, it seems like this is a world where nobody has good options. There are only different bad options where you can make your own choice about things. And so, so you can't be, um, so when you're in 
positions like that and you're forced to make decisions, none of the decisions you make are gonna paint you as a good person because they're not good decisions. So you can just make bad decisions or more bad or worse decisions, you know? What compromises are you willing to make and which ones are you not? Like what's your personal code? Right, right. Or honestly, bottom line, how do you continue to survive? Yes, that's that would be it. How do you continue to live mm-hmm. and have what you need and keep the wolf away from the door? Which makes it a very interesting place to insert a vampire because I guess people are dying right and left anyway. And she certainly seemed to kind of walk around and observe people and kind of decide who she felt had a moral code that they were adhering to that she could accept and then who she considered bad and worth killing to feed on. It's an interesting place to drop this particular vampire too because she does look like any like college student. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like in her room, even in her bedroom has like musician posters and she's like dancing around, doing her eyeliner, listening to music. Yeah. Like she reminds me of the cool girl that has like not saying that they are depressed, but that's the look like the dark mm-hmm. hair, like mm-hmm. the eyeliner, the kind of bored expression. Like you're never Too excited cool to be enthusiastic about something. Yeah. Like, you yeah. know, that person owns a leather jacket. Like that, that person. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And she's the vampire. Yep. Naturally. Yes. Yes. Um, so yeah, it's just, when you're going to be a vampire who's going around morally judging people and deciding whether they deserve to live or die. Sounds like a pretty sweet gig. Bad city is a very interesting place to be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You get to be a judgy vampire (laughs) with a buffet. (laughs) Right. I mean, as far as like vampire places go, that's a pretty sweet, pretty sweet place to, to be. Yeah. Not to mention, uh, it seems that most people are not going to be very missed. People tend to all be kind of lone wolves. Right. No one's really making a lot of connections. All the other than our, our main character who had some friends that he was hanging out with on Halloween somehow. And he dressed up as a vampire. He did. Yeah. He was Dracula. <laughs> Oh, he was a cute little Dracula. I remember that's kind of where I made it to in the movie. He was really intoxicated and didn't know where he was. And he stumbled up on her and was like, where are we? And she's like, you're in bad city. And that's, that's where I'm at. I'm going to finish it probably tonight, but keep, keep telling us, take us through the rest of it. So broad strokes on um, a recap through the rest of this. Um, From the Halloween party, he ends up going with her back to her place. They do continue. They listen to some of her music. The music is a really big deal for her. Uh, It's kind of the thing that like gives her joy and like rounds out her life and, and, you know, major, major music geeks here. And uh, they kind of bond over that because the guy's really into it too. Uh, So they kind of jam out for a while and then um he goes home uh his father finds more drugs and gets really high and so he kicks his father out which i have to say he kicks the cat out with the father and i was like deeply offended by this (laughs) you can't hurt the animal i was like what are you doing (laughs) and like this is a somewhat recent phenomenon for me that i care about animals in movies um I know this is one of those classic things that's supposed to be like universal. I have not historically cared too much. It's 2020. It is 2020 (laughs) because like I'm always wanting to watch really dark stuff and like it never bothers me. Um, Not dark. Like, I mean, I don't want to watch like slasher. Like I can't do like 
saw. Like that was about as, as gross as I can do, but just like dark Psych, themes. Mm-hmm. And so that show on Netflix that just came out, Ratchet, Ratchet, it's about the nurse from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Normally that would be my jam. And I watched like a few episodes and I was like, okay, I can recognize that this is really good and that this is done well, but I I can't do it. And then I like had not this now. crisis of self. Like, what is wrong? Why am I not wanting to watch this? <laughs> and yeah, like the same with the yeah. animals. Like, it never bothered me because I knew like, I mean, it's a, it's a show. Like nothing's really happening to that animal. That animal went home with its trainer and like it never bothered me, you know? But now right. it's a lot. Like we talked about this on the Babadook episode mm-hmm. with the puppy. Yeah. 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 Because that really offended me in a way that I'm not used to as well. Um, although I don't know if I've just seen Boondock Saints too many times, but the entire film, I was waiting for something terrible to happen to this cat. <laughs> I haven't seen Boondock Saints in a really long time, but I have seen it. It's been Do you a while. know what I'm... Yeah, yeah. Do you remember what I'm referring to? Okay. <laughs> I think so. I think so. It's been a, it's, it's been a while, but I, I'm familiar. Yeah, that's like my okay. brother-in-law's favorite movie, so... That's a good choice. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> I remember the first time I saw that and like the way that they do some of those scenes where they kind of break down what's happening with the cry, like it blew my mind. <laughs> Love that film. Anyway, um... So he kicks out his father, who's drugging out. He kicks out the cat with him. The father ends up wandering off to um, where the female drug dealer is, crashes with her for the night, gets more drugs from her, and then uh, somehow bullies her into stripping for him. Oh. How did he get the drugs? He didn't have any money. He just probably just took them the same way he bullied her into stripping Frankly, no idea. Yeah. Okay. Um, so our vampire friend shows up. Okay. Kills the father. Okay. And then the vampire and the drug dealer lady end up having a little bit more of a conversation again. I think that's what I saw when she was like, okay. you don't like what you do. And she's like, you following yeah, yeah, yeah. me? Because she asked her where she got the, is it the earrings or a watch? Probably the earrings yeah. because that connects the dots with um, the scene where he's working and steals the earrings from the rich girl. Right. Okay. Yeah. And so they have a little bit of an interaction about, you know, the this drug dealer's life choices and what she does and why she does it. And, you know, it's grim and very insidious. Uh, you know, she's just surviving, man. So vampire girl decides the drug, drug addict dies drug dealer gets to live then she leaves the cat's just kind of like wandering free wait the vampire leaves or the drug dealer leaves the the vampire the leaves because they're at the drug dealer's house okay Got okay it. i'm following i do not remember if this is immediately following that either in scenes or in time but uh after the first time they met up after the halloween party the uh, vampire and our main hero dude arranged a date so they meet kind of like under uh like a train track area and like hang out by his car and he's brought some burgers for them and she doesn't really eat hers which he observes but um, i was gonna ask (laughs) does she eat the burger too no she doesn't she does not uh she's she's the blood only vampire apparently interesting yes so there are different types of vampires in books and like 
movies and stuff like the ones that cannot do anything but blood and the other ones that like live their life but they have to have blood so that's interesting okay right. sorry right no i think that's a really interesting thing and i i was kind of thinking along the same lines because the rules are different every time um i believe in the twilight universe they can eat whatever they want it just doesn't taste good gotcha i i don't remember i haven't read twilight okay but yeah so it's it's interesting to see the way that different rules work. And I have to say that personally, if you're a, an undead being, I think it makes a lot more sense that you could only drink blood and not consume other things because like your metabolism's not working and your body's not processing anything else, right? Wouldn't you just like continue to build out? Like your belly would just keep yeah. expanding? You know, like <laughs> interview with the vampire? Yeah. Okay, so that series, like, after Interview with the Vampire, there's, like, the Vampire Lestat and Queen of the Damned, and it's, like, a whole series. It's, like, still going. She's been writing that since the 80s, I think. Amazing. So there's one. I haven't read this one since probably college, but I remember thinking the book as a whole wasn't my favorite, but what it observed was very interesting because I hadn't seen anything before. It's the tale of the body thief, and it's where Lestat, the vampire who, if you remember an interview with a vampire, he's kind of like the bad guy, vampire, whatever, but he ends up, the rest of the series is from his point of view. Only interview hmm. the vampire is from Louis's point of view, and then everything else is from Lestat's. It's great. Lestat's great. So he, <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like really lighthearted. I don't know. He has been a vampire forever, and he is just growing. He thinks he's growing tired of it. He kind of longs for his humanity, um, it's been forever since I read it, but I think he was even like, who am I, you know, to feel like this? Cause Louis was like the heartbroken one that was having a moral crisis about killing people. Lestat did not care. And then he meets, I don't remember. It's a being that can switch places with him that wants to be a vampire for whatever reason. Hmm. And I think this has been a long time and he switches and he gets to be human for a while. And he hasn't eaten in like hundreds and hundreds of years. And the act of eating is just, he thinks it's going to be great, but it is so disgusting. He's just like, oh God, this is terrible. And then later when he has to go to the bathroom, he's like, <laughs> what kind of indignity is this? This is horrible. Like they have to do this every day. And uh, yeah, it was like really funny. And then he switches back to vampire, but it was, I was like, oh, I always never really thought about that. Like if, you know. Now I do, I guess. And now you do too, because I just put it in your head. But <laughs> thank you for that gift. <laughs> but it's very interesting. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean it would be kind of convenient not to have to. I mean, I'd miss some of the restaurants I've been to, but yeah. whatever. Yeah. And then there's in the Anita Blake series, which, um, is that the name of the author or is that the name? Yeah, no, that's the, that's the character. The author's Laurel K. Hamilton. I haven't read these since a long time too, but there is, she has like this weird bond with this. This was in my urban fantasy, paranormal romance phase. She has this like weird bond with like this vampire king and he <laughs> can taste foods that she eats and he makes her go to a restaurant with him and eat just so he can like feel it and taste it. And it's like almost I don't even want to use this word. It's almost like orgasmic for him. And it is just so <laughs> uncomfortable. Like I remember reading it and being like, oh my God, this is terrible. I mean, it wasn't, it was supposed to be terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. Wow. All right. Well, anyways, so <laughs> this isn't that kind so, of vampire. So back to our boy and our vampire. 
so they have their little date. She's kind of in a mood. I mean, like, she doesn't really talk the entire time anyway. So it's hard to tell if that's just how she is or if she's in a mood. But they don't really connect as well. It seems like maybe she's struggling with something. Um, I think at some point in that scene, she puts together, or maybe in the next scene at some point, she puts together that she has killed this guy's father. Uh-oh. Which, because she didn't know that at the time. Anyway, at some point... Did he care? Does, she, does he find out? No. He never knows? He never so knows. So, this movie seemed to me like it was very... I don't know what the film version of literary is, but it was very much just kind of a slice out of this mm-hmm. this thing that's happening. There's not like a plot with closure. It's kind of like just a slice of time in Bad City, and you get to follow these characters and kind of see what their life is like and how everything's intertangled, mm-hmm. but you're not really trying to solve a problem. Well, I yes and no. Um, it's definitely you know, action-wise, a pretty quiet film, okay. which feels a little strange in such a place as Bad City right? in particular. Um, but the arc is really more of, of like a boy meets girl type of a thing. It's about like this slow burn connection that they make because they kind of bond over this music thing that they're both really passionate about. And then things get a little vibey. They come back together and then the the end of this movie is they have decided that they have absolutely got to get out of Bad City. And they have to do it now. Because once you're in Bad City, you're stuck in Bad City. The vampire? The vampire and this guy. Isn't that funny? Like, even the vampire feels stuck feels in Bad stuck. City. And do they ever right. discuss, like, where the vampire came from and how she ended up in Bad no. City? No, no, no. No, no, no. She's just no, there. Not at all. She's just there. And so... Um, they get the cat, thank goodness, and they, they save the cat. get his car, mm-hmm. and they just drive away, and they play more of this excellent music in the car as they are leaving, and that's that's it. That's the end of the movie. I kind of love that. It's really interesting. It's boy meets girl. It's like a quiet vampire love story, and they're escaping this bad place, but I really, I think I love it more because I don't know... How did this like 22-year-old girl become a vampire and how did she end up in Bad City and like there's a lot that's just kind of left basically everything yeah. is just left open yeah I'm a sucker for that I feel like so me in a writing group I'm in we're talking about our id list I may have talked about this on here and it's things that just immediately draw you to something like it can be something as silly as like tweed coats or it can be like as big as like anything, but it's stuff that you immediately have like this reaction to and quiet kind of tragic stories like that. It's like, I don't even care who the characters are. Like I'm, I'm there for it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me angry at first because like the movie (laughs) ends and I'm like, that's it. (laughs) And then like, I get like this indignance at it at first, but then it leaves you with so much to think about. Yeah. Um, so as soon as that anger starts to turn into questioning, I suddenly have this very like rich, yeah, various things to explore. So uh, it ends up being rewarding longer term usually, but I always start with that outrage. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel it because so there is nothing angrier than you're reading a book on your Kindle 
and it says you're at like the 85% mark and nothing's mm. tied up and then it just ends and you're like son of a bitch it's all back matter like yeah it, like <laughs> you thought you had time and like things were going to actually tie up but they don't and it just ends mm-hmm. and that happens in a lot of like clubby type books and I yeah. don't know why it makes me rage I mean I know like literary fiction I get it I like it I can talk about it and pick it apart but we're talking about emotional reactions and I don't know. I have a stronger reaction to that. And I think it's because it takes so much longer to get through a book than a movie. I'm like, I devoted a week Hmm. of my life to this. Tell me how these characters, like, (laughs) like, who dies, (laughs) who has sex, like, who, like, what's happening? I have to tell you, though, as I have gotten older and read more different types of things, I have started to realize that most contemporary literary stuff, at least, I'm just not into. Really? Do not like it. Mm-hmm. To me, it depends um, because I know pretty quick if I'm going to like something or not. Mm-hmm. And like the Starless Sea is very literary and it's by Aaron Morgenstern. And it's it's not one you're going to sit down and just read straight through. Maybe somebody does, but it's still beautiful and I'm glad I finished it. But I would set it down yes. and read other stuff and come back to it because it's pretty and the story's pretty, but it's not... It's a very unusual book. Yes. I will say that like that's one of my favorite things I've read this year too. Yeah. Um so yeah, I guess if we're gonna include speculative literary, that's a whole different ball game for me. But if we're talking like book club like uh Little Fires Everywhere, anything by like Donna Tart or you know, like those sorts of like very classic book clubby yeah. literary types of things, like Little Fires Everywhere was a very good book. I pushed my way through that. Um, you know, like what was it? It was a bestseller in Really Mega a couple of years ago. Um, Where the Crawdads Sing. I got like a third into that and could not do it. So fun fact, I did the same thing and it was my book club's book and I just had to bullshit <laughs> my way through it. Yeah, no, that was one. And like, I wanted That's to so like funny. it because there were so many things there that were on my id list. Like I love like this girl kind of having to bring herself up and like mm. this, the time period and like this small Southern town, like that really did a lot for me. But after I've kind of got to a certain point and it's still just that, I'm like, okay. And I hate it like when you say you don't enjoy something like that and people are like, oh, you just don't get it. And I'm like, no, I get it. I'm intelligent enough to enjoy this book. It's not for me. Every book isn't for every person, you know? Yeah. And I think what made me finally be able to be comfortable with not liking it was starting to realize that like literary is as much a genre as anything else. It it's is. not anything special. It's just a way of writing. That It's completely true. Because <laughs> my husband, um, if you met him, you would not think this, but he will read literary books like all day long. And I'm like, it, it's really bananas. Like if well, you met him, because he doesn't seem pants. like it. And he's like, this book was so good. And I'm like, oh, okay. But you know where my sweet spot is with that? It's hmm. upmarket. I like that literary, yes. pretty writing, but I like that genre plot. Like Madeline, I'm back on my fangirl wagon. Madeline Miller's Circe was like everything for me because I feel like it was elevated writing and it was so pretty, but it had a definite plot, a definite conclusion. You rooted for the characters. And there's a lot of books mm-hmm. like that, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where I would put Starless Sea too, actually. So yeah, that's well true. put, well put. Boom. <sighs> All right, so vampires. Um, I will say this movie, overall, I had some really strong um, let the right one in energy. I could totally see that, yeah. Yeah, 
And I have like three pages of notes here. And what I put at the end was what kind of person befriends a vampire? Like knowingly befriends a vampire because... Sookie Stackhouse. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I thought of her. (laughs) And like, and and True Blood's like an interesting middle ground in this sort of uh, spectrum because like on one side, you've got like Twilight Mm -hmm. where it's obvious that whatever these people are people with fangs so i can be friends with them and still be safe and they're probably going to protect me right and then like but accepting that you know you get to these vampires like in let the right one let the right one in or a girl walks home alone at night and these are monsters with impulses and yeah like wild animal feral they're completely different species you know yes they are predatory they will feed and they are ruthless they do not blink about just murdering and drinking you dry so how do you see that and then say yes this is the person for me to you know start a new life with and run away from everything i know okay i have an interesting i have a take on this because i listened to a interview with charlene harris several years ago and in her world you have like the human vampires and then you have the ones that'll drink you dry it just kind of depends right and she said when she started that she knew she wanted to write a vampire book and this was before i think it might have came out the same time as twilight but she wrote this like before twilight like she tried to sell this book for like 10 years amazing and she asked that question what kind of person would knowingly Mm -hmm. fall for a vampire and you have to give them a problem or something that they feel so different from their own kind of people that there's relief in being with the vampire and that's Mm -hmm. true because if you look at let the right one in it's the bully he's like so bullied that Mm -hmm. it's like having this protector and then if you look at a girl walks home alone at night he is stuck in bad city and she wants out and he wants out and the sookie stackhouse of course doesn't know how to control hearing how what everybody's thinking all the time but then with vampires you can't hear their thoughts so it's a it's a relief and yeah, I, yeah. I, it's so neat you said that because I had never thought about that. And I just like listened to that interview the other day and the interview was from like 2004 or something. So that's, that's pretty cool. Pretty cool coincidence. That is, that's really interesting. I love that from her, Charlene Harris. Oh, that lady. Could you friend, a, befriend a vampire? That's one of those things where I want to be like, of course I could. But frankly, I feel like I'd not get anywhere near them. No, you have to always wonder, like, do they want to eat you? <laughs> right. You know, like, I guess it depends, too. Like, it, like what world you're in, like, what vampire right. universe. But I mean, like, if we're talking, like, a let the right one in, girl walks home at night type of vampire, I, I feel like that's a very bad life choice. Like, I feel like I've got, like, too many books left to write, you know, like, I've got too many like places to travel, you know, like, like this is like the same type of thing where it's, of course I'm going to put my seatbelt on because I just have too many like plans in my life yeah. to like leave this open. And I feel like it's not going to end well because a vampire doesn't age. And right. so you're either going to get old to them and like have wasted your whole life with them and they're going to be the same, or you're going to die some horrible way. I can't exactly remember, but in Let the Right One In, I haven't read the book, but I saw the movie, and I think I saw both versions of the movie. Mm -hmm. I can't exactly remember, but when the vampire 
is a child. It's a girl. And they move to the town. And you think this person is her dad, but it's actually the person she's... I mean, it's not like a romantic, weird relationship. But she's just been friends with them since they were a kid, too. Right. And like then she they just grew goes around, up. Yeah. Like, acquiring a person to do this for her. Like, be her escort slash pet. And so she's, like, grooming the next one. It is very much like in Dracula with, uh, what's his face? Remember, he turns the guy crazy, and then he does his bidding and gets him across the ocean. Oh. I can't think of his name. God, it's, like, on the tip of my tongue. But it's, the, it's like that. It's like a familiar. Yeah, yeah. You, like, they have to, too, because otherwise they're too vulnerable during the day. So in Let the Right One In, you might remember, I can't remember, does she end up killing him? Is that what ends up happening? Let the right one in? Like the, not the, she doesn't kill the boy, but like the adult. Oh, the Does old. she end up killing him? I remember something oh, happens man. to him because she I starts hanging out with the kid. Right. I don't remember what happens to him, but I mean, whether he is killed or not, he is absolutely replaced by the new friend. It's super and tragic. It feels like that's like the, the plan all along. Like she just goes through her eternal life grooming these children because she looks like their peer and then using them to escort her through her own vulnerabilities until they age out. That brings up a really good point too, because she looks like a kid and you think child vampire, but she's not, she's just physically a child. She looks, but she's got a brain that's an adult brain. So she knows exactly what she's doing. Oh yeah. And you got to figure like how many times has she done it at this point, right? Like she's got to have this like Because that's another thing that doesn't touch on, like, where she came from. And I love that. I love not Mm -hmm. knowing. But Mm -hmm. there's something terrifying about a child vampire. Like, Mm -hmm. you have Claudia in Interview with the Vampire. And she looks like a doll. And they treat her like her little doll. And eventually, she, Mm -hmm. like, really resents them making her. Because she can't grow up. And she should be, like, a woman. But she's still a kid. And so, it makes her even more bloodthirsty. Mm. And, like, wanting to kill. So, it's just... I don't know. I can talk about vampire stuff. Like I, I was yeah. probably about ten years there. I like took a deep dive and I was like reading everything. But somehow I missed Twilight. I still don't understand that. And at this point, it's been out for so long, and I know what happens because my sister was like an extreme, like Team Jacob Twihard, that I know the complete plots. So I don't know that I want to go back and invest the time. That's fair. Because there's there's so many new books. Like, there's so many new there books are. coming out, you know? Speaking of new in vampires, though. Okay. Um, did you hear about the new anthology, Vampires Never Get Old? No. Tell me more. Oh, my God. So this is one of, like, the four projects that V.E. Schwab was involved in this year. It's releasing this month. It might already be out. But um, it was organized by authors Zoraida Cordova in Natalie C. Parker. Okay. And the, first of all, this cover is gorgeous. It's just, it, it feels very like rock and roll. There's not a situation in which this doesn't turn out amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so yeah, like just the title is so like tongue in cheek punny. Right. And then the cover is like neon hot pink I want this with book. a skull on it. And then the entire anthology is just vampire stories from unusual perspectives it includes ve schwab it includes ooh, who else is in this it's such a good list i haven't thought about it for a few i didn't minutes, know about but this but 
I yeah, like I'm. Wanted. I drooled over it a little bit. Um, just a stellar, stellar list of authors, well, and then uh, I have my copy of The Invisible Life of Addie Larue on my <gasps> shelf. I haven't me started too. it yet. I'm so excited. I am too. Oh my God. I went to one of her launch events with um, Rebecca Roanhorse. Okay. And they had such a good conversation. And something that really stuck with me V.E. Schwab talked about her first sentences. Uh huh. And she said the first sentence is the story. Like she says, she has roots in poetry. Mm-hmm. And she says the first sentence is a poem, it's the whole story. In a sentence. I can totally see that in her books, too. It blew my mind, and I will never stop thinking about it, and it's now a rule for everything I write. So, yeah, like, it was a game-changer moment, and it was really, really cool, and she's just, she's really good at talking about her craft. Like, um, she always brings it to an interview. She has this, like, energy and this openness, this connection that she always brings, Rebecca Roanhurst was great too. Like she brought the same thing. Um, but like every once in a while I start taking it for granted that an author is going to be able to deliver like that. And then you stumble across one where they don't, uh, which is prominent this year because everything's virtual and that's hard to deliver on, but she still managed. I mean, it is. And it's, and it's to be fair, it's, that's not everybody's skill set. So some people right. can write amazing books, but they're just not going to be comfortable doing that. And Victoria Schwab is just kind of like, well, we fangirl her pretty hard, but she just, <laughs> um, she checks all the boxes. She can do all the things, yeah. you know, yeah. and she makes yeah. it look easy. And she's all, everything you're saying, and she's also very thoughtful. Like you can tell that she has put a lot of thought and truly believes everything she's saying. She's not like just talking to fill the time and like, oh, this is something I read on the way over here. Like it's very much, it feels very authentic. That's the word. Yes. Very yeah. authentic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I always like to watch her as a fan, but also I'm always studying her as an author because I'm like, this is how to do it. Yeah. And so I'm trying to figure it out, but, um, but it was a really fun event. <laughs> One time I was, this is going to make me sound stalkery, but it's not, <laughs> but I was looking at her Instagram account and it's when she was, I think she was working on Addie LaRue actually. And I saw oh. a book in the background and it said evil. And then I scrolled in and I was like, what is this book? Cause it had like a really interesting cover. It had like a vampire, I think peeing on a grave or something. It was like, and like illustrated. <laughs> I was like, what is this? And it was obvious that it was a research book. And I think it's like the psychology of evil and like how we perceive it or whatever. Girl, I ordered that book that day. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, she's reading this. I should be reading this. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, Okay. So just to close the loop on this, um, some of the other authors in here that I already know and love and are worth checking out. So Samira Ahmed, Danielle Clayton. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, Heidi Heilig, mm-hmm. Rebecca Roanhorse, who was one of the people who interviewed her um, that I saw her at the event. And um, those are the ones that I know, but also Natalie C. Parker, Zoraida Cordova, of course, um, Tessa Gratton, Julie Murphy, Marcus Shiro. So would you say this is geared toward YA or adult or it could, I know there's a lot of YA crossover now. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure this is adult. Let me see where Amazon is organizing because it. I know um several of those authors mm, write both this, you know this is yeah this is categorized under young adult okay there you go 
It's, I mean, and like young adult now though, it's that typically the characters are going to be younger, but I'm still going to be here mm-hmm. for it. Like it's going to be yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, so a little bit more vampire for your uh, winter months. And I was thinking too, like we talked about um, vampires ending badly and I was thinking about, okay, you have like these vampire love stories where it ends up good. Somebody's usually turned into a vampire. And then you have the ones that really go off in the other direction that aren't open-ended. And I always come back to like the true blood season, like series finale and how it started out. And it was kind of campy and you didn't know where it was going to go. Like in the first pilot episode. And then by the time you get to like the series finale and it's just camp, like, like her and Bill <laughs> yeah. are like laying there and he's like, you're never going to be safe as long as I'm alive. And she's like, I can't hurt you. And he's like, you have to do it. And she stakes him and he blows up in blood, like all over her. And then like later there's like a barbecue scene and you see like, she's pregnant and marrying Mary. Oh God, my accent gets really thick when I'm tired. Marrying, I guess a human. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah, definitely a human from what I took away, which was what she needed. It was, but, uh, you know, wah, wah, wah. Although in the books, she ended up with Sam. You've mentioned that before, and that makes so much sense. Everybody hates that, but I love it. Like, everybody, like, the poor author got, like, hate mail, because everybody was, like, Team Eric, Team Bill, but I thought Sam was the only smart choice that made sense for the character. I mean, he gets a little whiny a couple times in the TV show. Yeah, like, I don't love him in a little bit of a nice guy complex like he deserves her so I'm glad that she didn't end up with him in the show for those reasons but I do not know if that is consistent with how he's portrayed in the book well so in the book I couldn't tell you I can't remember but I just know the options are like she dated Bill she dated Eric she's dated Sam and it's like Sam is the one that you're likely to gonna have the longest life with Ah, you know what I mean so that's kind of like and then there was the other one I can't think of his name. The werewolf, like the hot werewolf guy. Oh, yeah. Alcide. Alcide Hervo. Isn't it? I, I can't remember stuff I did mm. yesterday, but I can remember this whole <laughs> series. Yeah. Oh, Alcide. Alcide. So loyal. Mm-hmm. So I guess we are vamped out. But I did want to say before we left this time, because I always forget Guys, if you want to connect with us, we are on Twitter. We are on Facebook. Me and EJ have our personal accounts, and we have the podcast account. So find us, follow us, talk to us. We would love to hear your thoughts, favorite vampires, least favorite vampires, um, show ideas. We're always open. Yeah, so find us, and if you are listening to this, um, make sure and give us a rating on the platform you're on. If you're on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating so more people can find us and geek out with us. So I guess that wraps up this series. Would you say? Another one in the books. Another one in the books. That was Not Your Scream Queen. And women in horror, writers, directors, actors, we hope we did it justice. Let us know. And as always, find us on bookshop.org and you can get copies of all the books that we talked about and it benefits indie bookstores.